Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer. We're just going to read one verse. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight. Psalm 34 and 1. And the Bible says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. Father God, tonight, we thank you for your word. We thank you tonight, God, that you have given us this this word that you've spoken to us that that has been written down that we can live by it God and we can glean from it and learn from it God that we we can apply this to our life and God I thank you that as we read this psalm tonight and God we take these words that were written down so many years ago and God as we use them in our lives and in our situations we'll see change God if we'll just take the word and we'll make it applicable to our lives We will see growth, God. We'll see a turnaround in our lives. We'll see all sorts of things happen as your kingdom is established in our lives. And so, God, we thank you tonight. And, God, I ask that you would open our ears, open our hearts tonight, that we would hear what you'd have to say to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. You can be seated tonight. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth and this word this this word continue or a derivation of continue is found nearly 200 times in the bible i'm a lover of words i love to study words i love to uh, i love to study language and i love to dig down into the meanings of words i like to to try to get try to extract the full meaning because a lot of the time when we translated the bible we lose some meaning in different words maybe they chose a certain word when they translated the bible that that isn't really a word that is of good use for us uh, in the situation. And so when you think about all of the scripture that was translated, of course, there are going to be some times when they could have used a better word. And uh, this, this word here, it, it, this continue word, his, con- his praise shall continually be in my mouth. It means that there is an unchanging, there is a, an immutable, permanent, perpetual, unremitting, uninterrupted, incessant, ceaseless, loyal, staunch, true, faithful, steady, unwavering, unswerving quality when we say his praise shall continually be in my mouth. If something is continuous, that means it stays the same no matter what's going on. If something is continuous, That means it doesn't matter if the sun's shining and it's 75 degrees or if it's raining and it's 36 degrees. Whatever is continuous is still going to happen. Whatever is continuous is still going to take place. If everything is going in its favor or everything is working against it, it is still going to take place. Continual almost implies a militant mindset that will let nothing deter you from doing something. No outside force is ever going to stop you 
from praising the Lord of his praise shall continually be in your mouth. So if we're to bless the Lord at all times and we're to give God praise continually, then we're not allowed to, uh, we're not about to let someone or something from the outside come in and change that for us. We're not about to let something come in and, and, and affect that. We are not going to let some inner turmoil stop our praise if his praise is continually in our mouth. We're not about to allow anyone or anything to stop us from praising our God because his praise shall continually be in my mouth. If things are going great, I'm going to praise him. And if everything is going bad, I'm going to praise him because what I'm facing has absolutely nothing to do with how deserving God is of my praise. If I just got a promotion and everything's going fantastic, he deserves my praise. And if I'm laying in a hospital bed and I just got a terrible diagnosis, he still deserves my praise. I will bless him at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Not because what I'm going through determines how I should praise him, but because he is deserving of my praise no matter what I'm going through. If I'm down, I'm going to bless him. If I'm having the best time of my life, I'm going to bless him. I will bless him at all times. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to praise him until I lay my head down on the pillow at night because his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm not taking any breaks. I'm not stopping my praise. And I'm not going to let anyone or anything stop my praise either. Some of the greatest men and women of God that I've ever had the privilege of knowing or spending time with, would you'll just be riding down the road with them in the car, and all of a sudden they'll say, Glory, I praise you, Lord. I thank you, God, for all that you've done for me. God, you're worthy to be praised. Just out of the blue, just out of nowhere. You didn't say anything to initiate that conversation. You didn't do anything. Nothing great happened. No angel fell into the car. No miracle happened. They're just driving along and all of a sudden they say, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me. I just want to praise you for everything that you've given me, everything that you've done in my life. I don't need a choir to prod me. I don't need a worship leader to exhort. I don't need a pastor telling me I need to praise. I don't need 10 angels to show up and a miracle to happen in front of me because he's worthy of my praise all the time. I don't need some great revelation to happen for me to be able to praise him because I'm going to praise him continually. I don't need some immediate reason to be able to praise him because his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Do you know how difficult it is to stand up here and lead praise and worship some Sunday mornings? As people out in the congregation stare daggers at you and you just don't know why and I've heard every single excuse in the book okay I've heard them all I've heard every excuse I've been in this thing a little while now I've heard every single excuse in the book well the music wasn't my style I didn't like what so-and-so did with that part in the song I don't really like this singer or that singer I don't like guy singers as much as I like women singers. Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter what the music sounds like. 
You can have a banjo and a washboard, or you can have a full orchestra. You can have somebody who can't sing a note, or you can have somebody who sings like Pavarotti. Whether the music suits you or not, he is still worthy of our praise. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Paul and Silas didn't have a worship team in jail. All they had was their voices and the rattling of their own chains. And they still found a way to sing praises to God. All they had were their voices. They found a way to praise him. They didn't understand that, that, that they were tied up because they said inside we're still free. We're still free men. You may have us chained to a wall, but we're free men. And people need to understand that all you need to do to praise the Lord is to lift up your voice wherever you're at, to raise your hands wherever you're at. It doesn't quite matter what's going on around you. You just need to praise the Lord because David said that his praise should continually be in our mouth. And David wrote this Psalm. You know, David's one of the most complex characters in all the Bible. He really is. David is one of the most complex guys in the whole Bible. He's one of the guys that we know the most about. Hey, we, we hear about his childhood. We hear about when he was a teenager. We hear about his adulthood. We hear about his calling. We hear about his career. We know all about his shortcomings and we hear about his victories. We even hear directly from him. You know, it's an amazing thing when you can read something that someone actually wrote themselves something that somebody else didn't write about them, but that they actually wrote themselves. And, you know, it's always one thing to read an, a biography about somebody, something somebody else wrote about them. But it's a whole other thing to read somebody's autobiography where they're saying, I'm going to explain to you about me. I'm going to explain to you what's going on in my life. And, and that's one of the reasons that I love to read the Psalms is because David, the singer-songwriter, comes out in the Psalms and he writes some of the most beautiful songs that the world's ever heard. You know, a song is a very intimate thing. If anyone in here writes music or writes poetry, you'll understand that the best ones are written when you are being the most vulnerable and you're, you're digging way down deep inside and pulling things out and you're exposing things that are deep down inside of you, the longings of your heart, the cries of your heart. When you are exposing those things and you're getting your inner feelings and thoughts to come out on the paper, that's when the best songs are written. You know, anybody can sit down and write a song that sounds, sounds lovey-dovey, but when somebody really writes about a situation that they've been through, you can feel it when they sing it. And Maya Angelou once said, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. When somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And David in the Psalms is showing us exactly who he is. He's showing us what's going on down inside of him. He, his prayers, his challenges, his despair, his fears and his victories. He is showing us everything's expressed in his songs. He is a true worshiper, but he's a very complex individual. He writes Psalms about everything. And tucked in with these Psalms is one that says, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, if you read the rest 
of this entire psalm, Psalm 34. It's almost like the very beginning of this psalm is not even a part of the rest of the psalm. Because when David writes this psalm, he goes down through in this very first part, this, this very first verse or two here are almost uncharacteristic of the rest of the psalm. He says, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. And then he almost goes off into completely different uh, realm. Other thoughts talking about the evil never winning, talking about the fear of the Lord. He talks about the Lord delivering the righteousness, the righteous from their afflictions. And if you know anything about literary styles, if you know anything about writing, you'll notice that he switches, he vacillates uh, from the first person where he's talking about himself and he goes into the second and third person where he's talking to other people and he's talking about other people. And it's almost like he, he stuck these very first few verses in here as sort of a a separate thing from what he was talking about for the rest of the psalm. If you read the whole psalm, it's almost like the very first couple of lines, David's reflecting and talking to himself, and then he's letting everyone else in on the conversation. It would appear that blessing the Lord at all times and having his praise continually in his mouth was something that David did regularly, whatever he was doing. Whatever was going on, David was always praising the Lord. He was always blessing the Lord. He would stop for a minute and he would praise the Lord and then he would continue on with his conversation, whatever he was doing. He would just be going about his day and if you were around David, you'd hear him say, God, I just thank you. I bless you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. And then David would continue going on with what he was doing. You're an awesome God, Lord. I magnify you reign and I, I lift you high. And then he would just go on the rest of his day. Have you ever just had something like that hit you? Have you ever just been somewhere and you just thought about what God had done in your life and you just praise him right where you're at? I mean, you're at work and all of a sudden a praise comes on you. You're, you're sitting at the doctor's office waiting for your appointment and all of a sudden it rises up in your spirit and you just got to thank God right there where you're at because you know he's done so much for you. I mean, I've been in the produce section at Walmart and I've had to get out of there because I started tearing up thinking about all the things that God has done in my life. You know, and if you think about the goodness of God, how much he's done for you, David did this all day, every day. Why is it that David was this way? Why is it that David had a continual praise in his mouth? Was it simply because he realized that God had done all these things for him and that he knew that God was great and worthy of praise? Of course, David did believe those things. Of course, David felt that way, but David understood something very much deeper than just praising God for the sake of praising God for his goodness. David understood he was praising God because he wanted the presence of God in his life. 
David was praising God because he knew that that was the key to having the presence of God in his life all day, every day. And if there was anything that David understood, it was this. David understood the presence of God. David understood what it felt like to have the presence of God on his life. How do we know that David understood the presence of God? David was the one who would write things like, as the deer pants after the water brooks, so my soul longs after you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When will I come and appear before God? David said, my soul's longing for you. When am I going to get to stand in your presence? When will I stand before you, God? David was the boy, the little boy who was called into Saul's chambers and tents. And when Saul would be in torment and he would go into fits of rage, David would sit down and he would just begin to play the harp and begin to worship. And the spirit of God would come in and chase off the evil tormenting spirits that were on Saul's life. Was it the harp? Was it David? No, David knew what it was to usher in the presence of God. And he knew what it was that the spirits had no choice to leave, but to leave when the presence of God showed up. They couldn't stand in the presence of God. And it was David who fell and committed adultery. And afterwards, Nathan the prophet came to him and rebuked him. And then David sat down and wrote Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He said, whatever you do, God, don't take your presence. Whatever you do, God, I know I messed up. I know it was bad. I know I was awful. But God, whatever you do, I do not want to live without your presence. God, I don't want to go on without your presence. Don't take your presence from me. Don't take your spirit from me. I can't live without your glory in my life. David understood the presence of God and he understood how to get it and how to keep it in his life. He knew he had done wrong, but he said, God, I don't want your presence to leave me. Once you've really had a touch of God's presence in your life, you'll know that feeling. Once you've really felt the presence of God in your life, you'll know what that feels like, that you don't ever want to leave the presence of God. You don't ever want it to go from your life. If you've ever really been in his presence, you want to be around it all the time and David wanted it all his life he wanted to dwell in the presence of God and David knew how to get into the presence of God and what he did here by saying I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. What he was doing was he was giving us the key to walk in the presence of God. He was giving us the key for our lives to be able to walk in God's presence because David knew that praise and the presence go hand in hand. I'll say that again. The praise and the presence go hand in hand. When you begin to praise, then the presence comes. 
When you begin to praise, then the presence comes. When you exalt the Lord, his glory fills the area where you're standing. When you exalt the Lord, his glory will fill wherever you're at. When you begin to magnify his name, he'll come see what you're doing. He'll come see about you. When you begin to glorify him, if you ever get lonely, all you ever have to do is start praising God. Because as soon as you start praising God, you'll know he's in the room with you. You'll feel him step in. If you ever get tired and afraid, all you got to do is start praising God because he shows up on the spot. Because when you begin to praise him, he can't help but draw near to the one who is praising his name. Genuine praise gets God's attention. A real genuine praiser will have the attention of God and he'll come to visit you because you're not just saying, God, I want something from you, but you're pouring out to him the praise that he's worthy of. Praise and presence go hand in hand. That's why when people stand there and don't praise and worship God on Sunday mornings or on Sunday nights or on Wednesday nights, everyone walks out of there saying, something was off this service. I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel the presence of God. I didn't feel what I feel like I should have felt. Everyone gets feely, feely, feely. Well, I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like going to a cross and being beaten and bludgeoned and dying for our sins. I'm sure he didn't feel like being laid in a grave. I'm sure he didn't feel like having his father turn his back on him. I'm sure he didn't feel like carrying your sickness, your sin, and your shame, but he did it. And that's why we got to praise through no matter what we're feeling because he's worthy whether we felt like it or not and a lot of the time what people will do is they'll leave service and they'll say well there was some sort of a hindrance there was some sort of something there the, the hindrance let me just help you out is a lot of the time people who just won't praise a lot of the time it's not that they cannot praise, it's that they will not praise. It's not that they can't do it, but they're waiting for everything to look and feel just right for them to get a tingle that starts in their big toe and, and, and so before they can sing and lift their hands. You know what? And what we've got to learn is as we mature that it doesn't take a feeling for us to begin to praise. It doesn't take a feeling for us to be able to praise God. We should be able to praise him first. We should be able to be grateful at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And, and that's the first step. A lot of the time what people are doing is they're waiting for the presence to come and then the praise. But it's the other way around because the praise goes up first and then the presence comes down. We got it backward. You don't show up to a party without an invite. You don't go somewhere that you know you're not welcome. Our God is a gentleman and what he's doing is he is waiting for us to welcome him in. He's waiting for us to say, God, we want you here. God, we want your presence. God, we need you. And we do that by praising him. We do that by lifting his name high. He's not rude. He's not going to force his way in. He waits until he's invited. We've got to give praise.
praise so we can see the glory fall. We've got to give a praise if we want to see the power. Praise always comes before presence. But when you praise, just know that the presence is on the way. And David knew that if he praised God, his presence would come down and God would pay him a visit. He would show up wherever the praise was. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, as, many, as well as in many other places in the Bible, that all around the throne there's worship, there's praise taking place at all times. The Bible says that angels gather around the throne and they shout with loud voices, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And the Bible says that there are four beasts and each of them have six wings and they're full of eyes and they rest not day and night saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when the beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sits on the throne who lives forever and ever, four and 20 elders fall down before him that sits on the throne and they worship him that lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns down before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created see what happens when we praise God what we're really doing when we're praising and worshiping is that we're creating an atmosphere that is similar to the atmosphere that is around the throne of God in heaven when you praise God you are creating the same atmosphere that is in the throne room in heaven And God, as we praise him, says, I know that sound. That sounds familiar. That sounds like home. And his presence comes and he fills the area, fills the place where we're at. I'm going to give you one more scripture and I'm going to close. Psalm chapter 22, verse 3. Most of us know this one. But you are holy, and you inhabit the praises of your people Israel. This is an awesome scripture, and I love it when we quote it. I love it when we, when we say it in church, that God inhabits the praises of his people. And it's so true, and it's absolutely right. But that word inhabit was used in this scripture, and that means that God dwells there. He lives there. But if you go back to the original Hebrew, a much better translation that is actually the Hebrew word is this, enthroned. When you praise God, the Bible says you are holy and you are enthroned in the praises of your people Israel. When we praise God, he is enthroned. So when we sing songs like you are great you do miracles so great we're of course telling him how great he is but we're saying god we're setting you up a throne right here we're setting you up a throne right here where we're at today 
We're giving you a throne right here in this place as we worship you. God, we want you to come visit and we're pulling you up a chair. We've got a spot for you right here in the middle of the room with us. We've got a throne for you right here. We're acknowledging you're the might and you're the power and you're the greatness, but we're inviting you right now to sit as king over our lives right here in this place. So when David says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. He is saying, I am setting God as king over every second of every day because as I continually praise him, he is continually enthroned over my life. As I praise him, I am setting him up a throne over my life every minute of every day. I'm giving him the position of authority in my life. Every time I let out a praise, I'm handing him the controls because he is enthroned in my praise, but I'm also making sure that his presence stays in my life as I do that. I'm walking in his presence. I'm dwelling in his presence. I'm abiding in his presence. My mind is going to be stayed on him. It's going to be steadfast. My heart is going to be fixed on him. I'm going to live in his presence if I'll keep his praise in my mouth. Somebody said, well, it sounds impossible to live in his presence. How do I do that? How do I live in the presence of God when I've got all these things that I've got to do? I'm a busy person. How do I live in the presence of God? There are people who I know who walk around and they radiate the presence of God. There are people who I'm around who I just know that they're walking with the Lord because as I'm around them, I can just feel his presence. Smith Wigglesworth was on a train one time. And as he was on that train, there was a, a man and Smith Wigglesworth wasn't, you know, doing any sort of great miracle, trying to lay people out in the spirit. He wasn't praying in tongues. All he was doing was walking back to his seat. And they said that on that train, there was a man who stopped him and he said, My God, your very presence convicts me of my sin. Smith Wigglesworth never said a word about God. He never said anything. I know people who have been at the supermarket. There's a particular lady I know that's been at the supermarket. And they said that as she was at the supermarket one day, there was a lady who who just she was in the produce section and the the lady, the other lady that she passed by just fell back into the the fruit. And she said, I don't know what's on you, but I feel power surging through you as you walked past me. The presence of God. You can live in the presence of God. You can walk around in the presence of God, not because we're anything special, but because there are people who praise God all the time. Every chance they get, they're continually praying under their breath. They're continually praising God under their breath. You might not even hear them say it, but they're continually praising God. They're not ashamed to say, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're worthy, God. And it's like God just follows them around because they're praising him continually and he is enthroned in their praises. They've set his throne up over their life. 
In the 1600s, there was a Carmelite monk. His name was Brother Lawrence. He was crippled. He lived in a monastery, and his assignments at the monastery were working in the kitchen and mending sandals. That's all he did. And Brother Lawrence would go into these prayer services at the monastery, and he would go to read his, his scriptures, and he would go to study, and he would feel the presence of God, and then he would leave, and the feeling would go away. He would go to a service. He would go, home, go back to his room. And the, the feeling that was in the service would go away. The presence would feel like it was not with him back in his room. And he got frustrated. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, God, I just left that awesome service and the presence of God was there. And now I'm down at sheets pumping gas. I'm not even five minutes away. And I feel like every, every bit of the presence is just gone. I feel like I'm, I'm, I, I just, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. I felt one way there, and now I feel another way here. And Brother Lawrence felt this way. He became so upset and he became so frustrated that he began to seek and study and try to figure out how to live in the presence of God. He wanted to live in the presence of God, not only in prayer times and in church services, but every single minute of every single day. And I feel like that's a lot of people in here tonight. We don't just want to live in the presence of God when we're in a setting like this. We want to carry the presence of God with us when we're at work, when we're at school. We want to carry the presence of God with us wherever we go, whoever we see. We want to carry the presence of God. And when Brother Lawrence was doing even the most meaningless tasks, like washing the dishes, picking up straw off the floor, he finally figured it out that constant praise and prayer kept his mind focused on God and it kept the presence of God in his life so that no matter what he was doing, even if it was the most mundane thing, even if it was the most meaningless, simple thing, he was constantly conversing with God. And they wrote down some of Brother Lawrence's quotes and he would say things like, give him thanks if you please with me for his great goodness, which I could never sufficiently admire for the many favors he's done to so miserable a sinner as I am. May all things praise him. He'd say, we must make our hearts a spiritual temple wherein to adore him incessantly. We must watch continually over ourselves that we may not do or say or think anything that may displease him. When our minds are thus employed about God, suffering will become full of unction and consolation. He said, I can even suffer better because I have the presence of God continually in my life. Suffering is a source of unction and consolation for me. He said that we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him, that it is a shameful thing to quit his conversation, to think of trifles and fooleries. He said, it's a shameful thing that we quit talking to God, quit praising God to worry about silly little things that we have to deal with in life, trifles and fooleries. Sounds an awful lot like David when he said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually 
be in my mouth. So I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to sound an awful lot like a Capital One credit card commercial. They always ask, what's in your wallet? I'm going to ask you a question tonight. What's in your mouth? What's in your mouth? Is it praise? Is it everything else? Is it worry? We say lots of words. We say lots of words every single day. I forget what the count is. I looked it up one time. I do know that women say a lot more than men. But we say lots of words every single day. And a lot of those words are meaningless. A lot of things we talk about are meaningless. One of the things that God began to deal with me at the beginning of 2018 was about being intentional about everything. Being intentional about everything. To consciously think about every single thing that I'm doing. To be focused at all times. The Bible says be sober and be vigilant. If that means being intentional about picking up a snack cake and eating it. Thinking about it before I do it. That means being intentional about keeping up with people and reaching out to people, talking to people, about being intentional about every single word that is coming out of our mouth. Making it intentional that we're not just saying things for the sake of saying things, but that we're intentionally focusing on what we're saying, on the things that are coming out of our mouth. And the reason that we need to do that is so that we can have the presence of God continually in our lives, so that we can have him continually dwelling with us, so that his throne is over our life. And the reason that we always say that praise changes the atmosphere, the reason that we always say that worship shifts the atmosphere is that when the praise goes up, literally the presence of heaven comes down to earth. Your praise goes up and it pulls heaven down to earth. Every single time you let out a praise, God is coming down. Every single time you worship, God is coming down. When God begins to hear your praise, he says, I'm welcome there. I'm going to go visit them. Do you want the presence of God to follow you around? Do you want the presence of God in these last days? then we need to set up a throne for him in our life. We need to set up that throne every single minute of every single day. We need to keep reminding him with our praise that he is enthroned in our life. We need to set up a throne for him in our houses, in our cars, at our jobs, at our schools. We need to set up a throne for him wherever we're at by praising him. And he'll fill our lives with his glory. He'll fill our lives with his presence. He'll fill our family's lives. He'll fill the hospital room if we'll praise him. He'll fill the courtroom if we'll praise him. He'll fill the miserable places in our lives if we'll set up a throne for him right in the middle of the dark places. He'll fill every single one of them. He'll fill the voids in our life if we'll praise him. You know, one of the things I've found out about God is that if you can just get his presence to show up, a lot of things just kind of work out. 
If you can get his presence to show up, evil spirits have to leave. You can get his presence to show up, sickness just has to go. It can't stand. If you go to heaven, think about the presence of God at the throne. There's no sickness there. No tears there. No darkness there. No sadness, no loneliness. None of that stuff, all the stuff that we deal with. And so if there's none of it in his presence in heaven, wouldn't it make sense that we just say, God, I want your presence in my life. I want your presence in my life. I want that presence to dwell here in my life. And what you'll find out is that if you get the presence of God in your life, you don't have to beg him to take stuff away. You don't have to beg him to work out stuff for you. You don't have to beg him for all the things that we beg him for because he just works it out. His very presence chases certain things away and his very presence brings the blessing. His very presence brings the joy and the health and the peace. He'll show up and he'll make changes because when we pour out our praise, he comes and he visits. But we just don't want him to visit. We want him to stay. Amen. Let's make it a commitment tonight to praise God at all times, to have his praise continually in our mouths. And to be conscious, to be intentional about it so that we're not finding ourselves off with something else enthroned in our lives. We enthrone a lot of things. We worship a lot of things in our lives. And those things set up thrones in our lives. The devil will come in and he'll set up whole kingdoms in your life surrounded by something that you're focused on. Let's make sure that God's enthroned in our lives. Amen. We stand to your feet with me tonight. Maybe you say tonight, I feel like I have been letting other things take my focus. I've not been praising God the way that I need to. I know that his praise is not continually on my lips. I'll be the first one to admit it. I talk about a lot of things, deal with a lot of things that take my focus. But I want to make a commitment. God, I want to make sure that my, my mouth is being used for your praise. I want to make sure that I'm blessing you at all times. So I want to open up these altars. And if you want to come forward and pray and say, God, help me to turn this around. Help me to keep my focus on you. I want to commit my life to you. I want to set you a throne up over my life. I want to make this altar available for you. I'm going to begin to pray a prayer. You can come forward. Also, if there's anyone in here tonight who does not know the Lord, I know a lot of us look familiar. A lot of us are regulars. If there's anybody here who does not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, don't leave this place without making that decision, without coming to this altar and seeing me tonight. Because we are in a very, very difficult, perilous time. 
and the time is short and one of these days it's going to be too late to make a decision. The Bible says that we'll either end up in heaven or in hell for eternity. Heaven is a place of joy, peace, place I described tonight and hell's the exact opposite. Torment forever, fire forever. So we want you to make a decision tonight to follow Jesus if you haven't already. I'm going to pray and open up these altars. And if you say, you know what, I need to pray and ask God to get me on the right path and continually keep his praise in my mouth, I want you to come forward and pray. If you need to meet Jesus at this altar, I want to pray with you as well. Father God, tonight, I pray that every single person in this place would make a commitment. A commitment, God, to praise. A commitment, God, to bless you at all times. God, because you are so worthy of our praise. God, you are so worthy of our worship. God, so many times we focus on everything except for you. We praise everything except for you. We'll tell people they did a good job. We'll, we'll worship a sports team, God. We'll worship something that we have our eye on that we want to buy, God. We'll focus on those things. But God, you are the one who deserves the praise. You are the one who deserves the worship. And tonight, God, I pray that you would get us in line, that you would help us to keep our focus. God, that we would never, ever lose sight of the fact that we need to bless you at all times because you are so awesome that we need to have your praise continually in our mouths because you are so great and tonight God we commit to you that we're going to begin to do that from this time on God we're setting up a throne for you over our lives in every situation God we're going to praise you and let you be enthroned in our praise God, I pray that you would bring this psalm to our remembrance every single day. And God, that we would put it into use and practice in our life. God, that we would never forget it. God, tonight, we praise you. We worship you tonight. And let it be ever, ever on our lips, ever in our mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, We appreciate you listening to today's episode and may God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.